Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Matters, your go-to source for the latest industry news and insights. We bring you up-to-date information on the real estate market and discuss the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to help you make informed decisions. And now, we invite you to join us as we explore the exciting world of commercial real estate. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Commercial Real Estate Matters. I'm your host, John Powell, with Phoenix Commercial Properties based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm honored to have Liz Arcos, a colleague from Phoenix, in the studio as well. Today, our guest is someone who has been successful as an investor, developer, and someone who is also highly respected as an entrepreneur around the state of North Carolina. Jason Wyden is the founder and CEO of Blueco which is a co-warehousing company, and he's the driving force behind influential communities like Raleigh Founded and Cary Founded. Raleigh Founded boasts 450 member companies and 1,200 members, including key partnerships with NC State, Campbell Law, and Riot Labs, to name a few. Jason, we're so glad to have you in the studio today, and welcome to Commercial Real Estate Matters. Great, thanks. Briefly, how about walk us through your entrepreneurial background leading up to Raleigh Founded and Carrie Founded. And again, everyone in this studio today and many of our audience, we all have that entrepreneurial thread. So we have really enjoyed learning of your story, but we'd love for our audience to really kind of hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks for having me. My entrepreneurial journey started in my early 20s. I started a company, I was working in London, England, and I started a recruiting of uh, seasonal workers from Europe to the United States at ski resorts and vice versa. So I did that in my mid-20s, and then I followed who is now my wife to Bloomington, Indiana, and I started buying college rental properties and fixing them up on my own. I love that. I did that for a bit, and then I realized I needed to actually learn what I was doing in a more official capacity. (laughs) So I joined forces with the real estate company. She was a local realtor, a powerhouse realtor, residential realtor, and she didn't like the investment space. So she kind of let me take that and run with it. So uh, I, I was mentored through her for a number of years, and then I went on my own. And I had a real estate investment company for about 10 years. And of course, the entrepreneurial side of me, I started a restaurant, a construction company, and did a bunch of things during that period <laughs> oh of time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and then I, in 2011, my wife and I, although we loved Bloomington, Indiana, where Indiana University is, we were, I think we were getting a little tired of a, a college town and we were looking for an exciting place to go. So we packed up, we moved to Raleigh, Durham, and we moved here particularly for the entrepreneurial vibe and the entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. We had several friends that were part of that and moved here. I ended up connecting with Jess Lipson, Brooks Bell, Christopher Gergen, and we threw up a shingle and we started something at the time called Hub Raleigh, which changed to HQ Raleigh, uh, which 10 plus years on is now founded communities, which includes Cary founded and Raleigh founded. So, you know, over that period of time, you know, we built and scaled a co-working community. And then I took a couple of detours along the way. And of course, the entrepreneurial side of me, I started something called RevGen, which is a lead generation and training company. Uh, I think there's about 100 employees now and close to over $7 million in revenue. And then, believe it or not, a couple of years ago, I bought a biohazard remediation company. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, that I, is diversification. It is, uh, yeah. for sure. And I, I put a, a young, talented group in place to, to run that. And 
And I've stepped out of that and I've stepped out of Founded Communities, which has been kind of my my main project over the years. And now my new venture is Blue Co. Warehousing. And you know, we hope to take that from our our pilot, which is just around the corner here, and scale that regionally. You know, so the idea is to have eighty to one hundred locations here in the next seven to ten years. That is so impressive, and diversification is yes. clearly the operative word that comes to mind. But or I, craziness, <laughs> yes, which is usually the entrepreneur mindset. That exactly, <laughs> but the fact I love your drive and I love your desire to impact lives, and look at the various platforms that you are now utilizing to do exactly that. Let's flow right into your latest endeavor, which is Blue Co. Warehouse. My colleagues and I at Phoenix, we had a chance, Liz, to walk through that space a few months back. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. Great location over near the NC State Fairgrounds within, uh, I believe it's called Pylon Park for our audience. But maybe describe to our audience exactly what is co-warehousing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important just to talk a little bit about the background as I lead into the description of it. So I've been building shared communities for the last 10 years, and it's much more than real estate, right? I mean, I, I, you know, as I talked about before, I have a history in real estate, which is very transactional. This was my, my time in the founded community space was much more community building. And when I bought the biohazard remediation company, it really fascinated me that all the tech companies get all of this support, right? Whether it's funding help or mentorship or programming, why don't service-based companies get the same thing? And why are so many people at residential storage facilities and doing business, right? And so I experienced that. I did some customer discovery and recognized there's a need for service-based companies to have shared space, right? So the idea behind it is it's co-working meets warehousing. So the idea, there's, there's four main parts to it. There's the warehousing. So if you can imagine a big warehouse with the mountable chain link partitions, right? The second part of it is office space. So I may not need a 2,000 square foot office space or a 3,000 square foot office space, but I need some dedicated space from time to time. I need a meeting facility, but I also need common area, professional looking common area with maybe a coffee area, cafe, that type of thing to host people or a place for my employees to go. So the idea with the office space is that I can have a small office suite and then have all that shared space that I can use on a fractional basis. So I can reserve a meeting room or a conference room or even a classroom. The third part of it is fleet vehicle parking and laydown space. I think we all know the neighbor, uh, the the neighbor, which I've been one of them that Mm -hmm. has a a trailer or a truck outside of our house and knowing that my neighbors at some point are getting really annoyed, (laughs) uh, not to mention my wife, why is our garage full of all this bleep? (laughs) So, you know, I think there's a very real need. So we're providing secure parking, right? And places for people to put a shipping container. Just Mm -hmm. met with a gentleman the other day who services fuel on site to companies. And, you know, he, he was looking for a place to park his trucks, right? And then the fourth part of it is what I alluded to earlier, which is really I call the generative aspect of our community. That's when you bring together people, there's a certain bump factor that can happen if you're intentional about it. So I've got a window person, I've got a plumber, I have an electrician. When you start to connect those people, they start to build relationships and they work with one another. We have a car detailer who pulled me aside the other day and said, you know, I've 
you know, my, my business has grown by 20% and I've only been here a month, right? Just oh do the goodness. relationships he's making. We've only been open really since yeah. August 1st. Right. So yeah, there's amazing. a lot of power in, in convening people and bringing them together and being intentional about connecting them and helping them grow and scale their companies. So that that's in a nutshell, long-winded nutshell, that's Blue Co. <laughs> no, and that's so that's impressive. And the fact we oftentimes when we have a landlord that has an office building, we want to create that synergy among the occupants in the building to where they can cross-pollinate and they can feed each other. And that's how they can grow their business. We all want our clients or customers or tenants, if you will, to be successful. And you're just, I love the message for our audience that you're focused on that. That is, that's very impressive. Yeah, and we did have a great tour when we went and saw the space. And I think it was still at the beginning stages of building the chain link fences and you have multiple levels, which was great. How do you envision these your business, Blue Co., differentiating itself from other co-warehousing spaces that might be sure. in Raleigh or even nationwide? Yeah, I think the fortunate thing, it's a pretty new space. There are a few players that focus on the fulfillment side. So I talked about the service-based workers, but there's most definitely a need for e-commerce consumer product companies. And I would say right now, probably a third of our space have those types of companies. We have a chocolatier, we have a gelato maker on the food and beverage space, but then we have- we have we have, we have, I need um, another site visit. Yeah. <laughs> then we have Amazon resellers and that kind of thing. I think what what- I believe is going to differentiate us is our focus on the service-based companies. Yes. We're offering a service that some of our other competitors aren't. There, there are a few that are offering that, like I said, that e-commerce fulfillment side. And while there's a part of us that will do that, I want to focus on those service-based companies. Now, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I talk to a lot of early stage companies. And when someone tells me no one is doing this, you know, that's usually not true. Someone is doing it somewhere. Yeah. Right, right. In terms of a national or regional play, I, I'm, I'm finding independent operators in places that have a warehouse and are sharing that. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to systematize this and scale this. I think that that's another big difference is that I, I don't see other people focusing on the service-based workforce and trying to support that group of people on, on a scaled basis. I could be wrong, and I know that there's others doing it, but I think that's a great opportunity for us, especially if you're an enterprise company. You know, I talk about the startups, but we have a number of larger companies that are really interested in the fact that you know, we could be in three cities you know, within North Carolina, and they could have locations in each of those and have more of an enterprise relationship with us. So you talked about the larger scale. Is there certain sizes that you will lease or won't lease to? Yeah, you know, we're still early and okay. we're still learning. But I think what I've learned thus far is, and you and you, you all are in the real estate business, so I think you can appreciate this. It was very clear to me in doing customer discovery that if someone is looking for less than 5,000 square feet flex space, mm -hmm. there's very little out there. Very, right? very little. And if you do, if you don't grab it that day, you're not going to get it, right? I think when you start to get over 5,000 square feet, there there's more inventory, maybe not a lot. There's more inventory. Mm -hmm. The numbers don't make as much sense, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm a small operator and I, let's say, dedicated space, I need 500 square feet, it's going to be very difficult for you to go out and find 500 square feet. Yeah. So you would probably be finding something that's 3,000, but you don't need 3,000. Mm -hmm. So while... 
one of our member tenants may be paying more for their dedicated space, they get all that shared space, mm -hmm. the shared meeting rooms, the common mm -hmm. areas, the loading dock, the right. forklift, the pallet jacks, all of that comes with it. It's turnkey. Um, it doesn't need to be long-term. It's extremely flexible. There's no personal guarantees. There's one month deposit. So it's built to be very flexible in that way. Yeah. But I would tell you when people, if someone came to me and said, hey, we're looking for 10,000 square feet, we're just not the right fit, okay. right? Yeah. And even at five, maybe we can make a case for it, but the numbers start to not work. But you know, for those of you that are out there though, I, I talked to probably 50 brokers, give or take, right? And most of them told me, those in the light industrial space, that smaller users, they were just turning away, right? So we're also incentivizing this, by the way. I mean, we're, we're paying 10% commission. I, mean, I know as brokers, you guys got to be careful in talking about commission. So I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, but anyways, from a market perspective, we pay 10% commission for for shorter term, so it'd be year long commitments, and then over a year, that's six um, percent. Sure. So brokers are our friends, and I would say they're one of our right now. They're one of our biggest sources of leads because there's not a lot out there. Well, and as a as a thirty year veteran here in the triangle commercial real estate industry, com industrial space is is so hard to find. Even over the past few years during the pandemic, it's it's very difficult to find. And you just hit on a hit the nail on the head. If you're a local entrepreneur and you need small space in that 2,500, 3,000, 5,000 square foot range, it typically doesn't exist. If you find it, you're fighting with five other people or 10 other people to capture it. It's going to be a five-year commitment, a personal guarantee, all those things that now you are creating ways to eliminate and or soften. And so for the person that wants to clean out their garage or is a startup business, especially that every landlord shies away from, you all are embracing. Yeah. And I love that. And it's also important to note from a broker perspective, we'll protect your agency. So oftentimes we know that we're a stopgap. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, so we, we've got sure. the company that comes in. Sure. They're going to need 10,000 square feet in a couple of years, but they don't today or they can't find something and they're looking you know, use us as a holding space for six months. That's fine, right? Uh, you know, you can sign up for a short-term lease and then, you know, we're a stepping stone to something bigger and, you know, you contact us and we keep you updated. Right. What's happening? How are they growing? That kind of thing. So our, our leases aren't, we're not trying to keep you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although, you know, if someone wants to sign a three to five year lease, they can. You'd because some that. people want that, but we're, we're built with that flexibility in mind. And I think that can be very beneficial to a broker that is trying to accommodate someone in the early stages, yeah. knowing that that will be a lifelong relationship and potentially they may have a much bigger need later on. We know that finding space almost doesn't matter the platform right now. Finding space is tough in the Triangle region and almost across our state. How has your search been over the past few years as you've looked for space? And has it really maybe even driven you into other markets where this market didn't have a lot of inventory, but it opened your eyes to other opportunities? You know, I, th I think that's going to be one of our biggest challenges in terms of scaling. I mean, this is, will not be a loop net play, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm out there, no you know, for anybody that's listening that has a warehouse that's, you know, looking for an operator that can come in and yield a much higher dollar per square foot. You know, yes, I want to buy, but I know I'm going to lease and I may even franchise, Right. So our ability to grow is going to be dependent on strategic partnerships, right? 
I know firsthand in the 10 years that we worked with developers doing shared space with founded communities, right. a couple of my friends that may be listening, I made you a lot of money, right? Because <laughs> we can come into a space, we have a very cool brand, and we're yielding a much higher dollar per square foot because we're more densely populating that space, right? right. And so, you know, where one op, one warehouse may have one or two operators in there, like literally I may have 100 people in 60,000 square feet renting that. And I'm using almost every nook and cranny of that. Yes. My teams in the past have always joked, like we'll have an office for a minute and then we don't because I'm, <laughs> I'm leasing the office. Right. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. It's you're, you're densely, you know, populating and leasing a space and giving everybody else that flexibility and that, that more affordable option. So to answer your question though, I think in terms of our growth, I think it's good. It's about the strategic relationships, developing those strategic relationships. I think the last mile phenomenon is key. When we did our customer discovery, Agreed. the Charlottes, the, the triangle where you have land that's becoming more valuable in older warehouses that used to be on those parcels mm -hmm. that the owners of those parcels have said, well, I can put a multifamily or something bigger here and make more money. There's fewer of those to come by. So I may be coming in and acquiring a property and then and then splitting that up. But my business model works better in those environments because I can pay a little bit more to have that property yes. and then subdivide that. But we had a landscaper that came in the other day and very analytically driven person and drive time is extremely important. He's lost since he's moved outside of the metro the, the metro area in Raleigh, he's losing about twenty percent of his bottom line because of that drive time, that and the gas time, cost. It, yeah, it, you know, it's it's that last mile phenomenon. Like yeah. you want to be where your customers are, and if I'm a landscaper, I want to be within that five mile radius or ten mile radius or whatever that is. But same thing for deliveries and and all that good stuff. How about for members of our audience that maybe even own properties that might want to partner with you, or they may be thinking of in 2024 they want to sell their buildings? What's kind of a sweet spot for you? Is it a yeah. Twenty to 50,000 square foot facility, or is it a 100,000 square foot yeah. facility? What are y'all kind of looking for these days? Yeah, so I'm still learning. I think there are two sides to our company. We have our OpsCo, which is a blue co warehousing. I'm also raising money for a fund on the real estate side. So we, we will be in a position to acquire property, but also lease depending on what those situations are. To answer your question directly, I, I don't 100% know yet, but I think that 20,000 is probably the minimum, right? I would say, you know, 30 to 50,000 is a sweet spot. But, you know, we're looking at it, we're running the numbers on a 100,000 square foot warehouse right now, right? And the idea there would be, you know, you split that up into thirds, you've mm -hmm. got bigger users in a third, right. you've got more flex, longer term users in a third, and then you've got shorter term users in another third, right? But, you know, I'm, I'm still pushing the broom, so to speak, I'm still learning from the pilot. So there's a lot of learning that we'll do. But, you know, knowing what I know in the other buildings that we own or lease, you know, it's it. you need some square footage to make the business model work. Right. So and almost that's plus. what I'm thinking as you scale and as you begin looking at larger buildings, buildings these days are 32 to 36 foot clear yep. and or even the newer buildings are 40 foot clear. Yeah. And so it probably would allow you to certainly have that second story, if not that third story, in terms of vertical integration. Sure. And it might start making sense that y'all 
run those numbers on a 100,000-square-foot box. I mean, again, those are the unicorns in our market today. Yeah. But we also believe that in 24 and in 25, those properties will be, I'm not going to say readily available, but they will be a lot more opportunity to capture space like that yeah. Great. down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a question on the tenant side. If a tenant is looking for space and they want to talk to you about the contracts that you have, how they rent space from you, what are the hours they can get into the building, access into the building, how they can use the forklift, how does that work for them? How do you explain that process? Yeah, so there's automation, but there's also a high degree of hospitality. Right. So those two things in a mix have been part of a tech community for years. So I've definitely gleaned a lot from that experience. So, for instance, in the office based side of things, if you want to reserve a meeting room or you want to reserve the classroom or you want to reserve the loading dock, there's a way for you to be able to do that. You know, where basically you can reserve that through an app. Right. And schedule that use of that space. You know, the same thing holds true. Well, we have pallet jacks number of pallet jacks that you can just grab and use. In terms of our forklift, it's just we need 24-hour notice and we have a warehouse person that's there to assist you with that. And they I, don't want, I don't want people driving around running over each other right. with a forklift. <laughs> I'm already disclosure. scared enough when I'm driving. <laughs> no, so, and, you know, my insurance person would appreciate me saying this too. Yeah, no, we have We have two people on site. So okay. we have one person that's more or less like a community manager and on the office side, and then we have another person that's a warehouse person. So okay. it's there to assist with... You know, people, you know, taking goods on and off trucks or helping to move stuff around in the space, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's very easy to use. Again, I have a lot of experience in shared communities, right? And we set very clear expectations when people come in and they understand the technology and how to use that. And then we have, you know, someone there that's helped them, whether they're connecting them to something or helping them use the printer. All of our meeting rooms have audiovisual capabilities or or something we don't know that someone says to us, like we have a scale, and a cellophane wrapping machine. You know, one of our guys the other day said, "Hey, we need a, a, a kid, kidding table, right? Yes, that has the little sure. the little wheels on it that you can roll yes, stuff." And right. hmm. you know, I found one for three hundred dollars, and I brought that in. Well, they will use it or not, I don't know yet. So, <laughs> you know, so some of this 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 shared tools we're going to learn along the way. We're we're listening a lot to our customers right now, understanding what they need. And the access to the space, is it it's out 20, certain hours? It's 24-7 access. Okay. Again, there's a, we have an app that people can access the building. There's security cameras all over. You know, We see who's coming and going. And then our staff is there from 8.30 uh, to 5. Okay. Is that a Monday through Friday or is, is any staff there Mo- over Monday the through Monday through Friday. Well? Okay. I mean, if there's special requests that someone would need something on a weekend, we can do that. But Typically, though, people—I mean, most people are self-sufficient. I mean, they've got yes. a warehouse; they've been around warehouses. They kind right. of do their own thing, right? You know, but we're there to assist if if people need it. Jason, from your vantage point, what has really maybe made the Raleigh market stand out in terms of y'all's platform? And is I'm going to call this maybe home base, for lack of a better analogy. Sure. Can you see yourself really growing the Raleigh market and? and growing around, say, the 540 loop. So, again, that last-mile delivery and taking advantage of that with maybe other locations around the triangle? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're, we're all very fortunate, you know, to live in the triangle area, which is consistently ranked in the top 10, if not the f- top five, one, you know, the fastest-growing places in the United States. You know, 
my family, we moved here for a reason, right? We love it right. here. There's a collegial nature to it. The universities, I mean, mm. most of the talent I have comes from the university. So I think there's great opportunity. You know, I happen to be in my late 40s and I've scaled companies to other states before and I know how challenging that can be. So what I've learned this go around is like, I'm going to do as much as I can in my backyard, <laughs> right? So I'm going to start local. So I could see four or five locations within the triangle, most definitely. And then Charlotte makes a lot of sense. You know, we have relationships there. And then as we go outside the state, you know, maybe maybe there's a Richmond or a Charleston, you know, that aren't too far away. So I think the, the North Carolina first, the surrounding states, and then the southeast, that'll be our focus. I do have an investor from Florida that happens to, you know, have some warehouse space up along the I-95 corridor, you know, so that could be like one of those markets that we go into because we could have density there. But, you know, I'm smart enough to know let's do what we can in our, our backyard first and then we'll scale and grow. I think that would be very strategic. Plus, it allows you to have that quality of life with your family and you're not spending the night out of town or across country. These are easily commutable, if you will. Absolutely. And then you can be home for dinner. Yeah. I have got an eight-year-old oh. and – my dad, you know, daddy, why weren't, aren't you home for dinner? I don't like to hear that. Right. So nah, absolutely. Yeah. That's wonderful. So with the, the building that we toured, I think was almost complete. Have you filled it with all the tenants? Or are you still looking for tenants in that building? And I know you're, you're in charge of the one across the street as well, right? Yep. So we have a total of 60,000 square feet the first building, which is 25,000 square feet it is open and operational. It's about 85% complete. There's there's still some more work we have to do there. And I've, you know, we're doing, we're ahead of schedule in terms of leasing the building up, but I still have space in that building. I think we're we just over 50% Great. full in that in that building. You know, we just opened in August, so I yeah, feel that's... really good about that, right? And then I'm, I'm already, you know, about 20% subscribed in in the other building. There's two differences between the building. One is um, non-conditioned and has less office space. That's the one that you all toured, I believe. Mm -hmm. The other one, it's under construction right now. That has about 5,000 square feet of additional office space. And then it's a fully conditioned warehouse. Okay. So the 510 pylon, I believe the one that, that you went into, that's more geared towards kind of more of a construction-based company. The mm -hmm. other one, because mm -hmm. of the conditioning, that's where the chocolatier and mm -hmm. I've got mm -hmm. a bolted bread and, you know, yeah. some others that are more interested in, you know, having condition space and, to, you know, to do business. Have you found that having condition space, is that becoming uh, a higher demand platform? You, you know, I will say yes, there, there are quite a few people. I don't have those numbers in front of me. You know, anecdotally, I would say it's probably half are looking for condition space. I think for, even for our audience, you know, a lot of landlords, they just don't want to condition their space due to the expense. Yeah. But we do a tremendous amount of tenant rep work at Phoenix Commercial. And so a number of our tenants, because of their product or the quality of their product, if you will, Condition space just allows it to have a longer shelf life and or when they, as they're, as they're turning over bins, if you will, that inventory turn, the inventory is just crisper, cleaner, and those spaces just are oftentimes maintained 
at a higher level. They're a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it when you're the tenant. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if more and more of your product is conditioned down the road. Okay. Yeah. We'll see when I get my first utility bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, is the price the same for the condition versus unconditioned? There is, is a, it... there is a slight difference, okay. but not not, not that big of a deal. And for the for the consumer, it will be well worth that additional upcharge, if you will, to have that cleaner condition space. Yeah, if if it if it if they need the that agreed for that more construction service oriented customer, if you will, they probably don't need that, and and so again, they're 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 fine. So I know you mentioned this earlier, but I know sharing space is about the people as well as the place. And organically, the businesses will communicate with each other and share networking and grow that way. But does your team do any events or activities that promote that? Absolutely. Right. So we don't want to over-program it, but we definitely pick our moments to you know bring to people together. So actually, one of the a moving company that's in our space had a barbecue on the loading dock and that just became an impromptu event, right? Where we right. invited everybody down. And well, you know, I would say that pro- whether it's you know once a quarter, you know, I could see once a quarter we have events. You know, we've already had a couple gatherings, you know, where we invited people to come. But then we also have, you know, we have service providers that are coming in to support these companies that also host host events, you know, lunch and learns and those types of things. So as part of our administrative support, we have fully vetted accountants legal teams, they offer a certain amount of pro bono work, people that do digital marketing, as well as even estimating and um, inbound, you know, phone calls, that kind of stuff. So we're putting together a package behind the scenes that people could tap into at least fully vetted, reasonable discounted type of services that people could have. You know, I could even say, you know, with, with, with Phoenix, right? I mean, you know, even if, if a, a real estate group wanted to come in and sponsor, you know, some sort of event just to get the word out. We're, you know, we're fine with, you know, we're fine with that, something like that. We're on the exact same page, and one of the times we talk all the time at Phoenix, we don't spend dollars at Phoenix. We invest dollars, and 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 investing them in community, and doing lunch and learns. We have what we call a road show, and that we could even come in and like you're talking about doing a barbecue, or have some food and beverage. And we're given a commercial real estate update as to if and when they were to leave your platform, here's kind of the trends that they could expect. Here's the price points and or the lack of inventory, the challenges that they could face. So we would welcome that type of opportunity. So speaking of events, on October 11th, I have a Latinx event happening. So a, a group of uh, Hispanic business people approached me about hosting an event there, you know, for, for their community. Everyone's invited. You know, you don't need to be a part of the Latinx community. To get more information, we'll have that on our website, which is www.bluecowarehousing.com. Or you can email me at jason at bluecowarehousing.com, you know, to get more information. We also have an open house on November 7th where anyone can come in. So we're going to invite brokers and companies and all different types of people. We'll have a food truck and people can come in and see the progress of our space. We're not quite calling it a grand, grand opening yet because I want our second <laughs> building to be done and it's it's not complete yet. Once we have our 
our second building fully complete, we'll do more of a blowout party and we'll have the you know co-sponsor with the chamber or something, Raleigh Chamber or something like that. So uh-huh. stay tuned, but we definitely have some upcoming events for those in, in the community and and we're regularly sending out updates to the brokerage community as well as as we have different opportunities that that come online. We love that because again, it is a great opportunity to promote your brand and or build your brand, but let others know maybe here are some things coming down the road, some things we're working on the pipeline, but they're also giving you feedback for you know, if we just had that that bin that had the rollers on it, we could be more productive here. So yeah. it's a great way to get feedback. Jason, I know every venture has its hurdles. And I know being a, a long-term entrepreneur, I'm sure that you have seen several. Could you maybe share any particularly challenging moments or share some stories that you and your colleagues have faced at Blue Co that, uh, over, the, over the recent uh, journey? Sure. Well, I mean, talking about entrepreneurial challenges, we could have a whole nother <laughs> podcast on That's that That's our follow-up podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I th- you know, I think, it was, you know, knock on wood, you know, things have gone in the grand scheme of things, you know, things have gone pretty smoothly thus far. You know, I think when you're ever, you have construction involved, there are delays, you know, so I think that that's been a bit of a challenge. You know, I think really the shipping and receiving part of it, I think thus far is, you know, you've got big trucks coming in and, you know, bringing in shipments for one of our tenants and, it's just kind of navigating, like, what does it mean to take a forklift on a truck that's not completely on flat ground? <laughs> I mean, there there's certain like <laughs> logistical things that have happened that we as a group are, you know, you know, gaining knowledge and how to deal with those situations. Like, we had a, a you know a, a little bit of a spill that happened off a truck, and like, well, who's cleaning it up? You know, <laughs> I mean, who has the capacity to, to clean that stuff off? But you know, all in all, you know, it's it's been really pleasant. I I think the other you know challenge we have, which is expected, the idea of shared warehousing is new, right? And I think especially from the broker's perspective, what you all need to know is this is not an apples to apples comparison to a triple net five, seven year lease. It's just not, right? So it's it's hard for brokers to get their heads around, okay, so my client needs 2,000 square feet, but they're really only getting 1,000 square feet of dedicated space, but they have shared space. Like, how does all that work? You know, and I dealt with the same thing years ago with Class A co-working space, right? Exactly. In the office setting. Like, no one knew what this co-working thing was, right? And now, you know, now we were one of the first, right, at least in this community. And now it's not hard. But I think with the warehousing space, you know, as brokers have approached us, you know, I've got a comparison that I send people, you know, when you have utilities included in internet, you've got a sit-stand desk, you've got a really nice task chair, you don't have personal guarantees, you have the flexibility. There's value in all of that for your client, especially if they're growing and scaling or especially if they don't know what their footprint's going to be. So you have to factor those things in when you talk to your client. And we are paying commission. You know, we're paying a higher percentage commission for shorter term. And just remember, think long term because you know if you if you satisfy someone's needs in the early days, they're going to come back and use you later. And Absolutely. so, you know, it hasn't happened a lot, but there's been a few times where I can tell that the broker really wants to land the ten year commitment somewhere. But their clients come in when they're not there, and they're telling me, "No, no, no, we really want this." And you know, I think you can. Both of those things can happen, and we're going to respect your agency. You know, we're going to, we're going to respect that relationship. You know, I tell people all the time, brokers need to be, you know, 
really good friends of our community because if we're put going on the road with this, you know, brokers need to know that this is a real value add to the clients that they're trying to service. And so, you know, it's I, I know oftentimes I've I owned a real estate company for a period of time, right? And I know that oftentimes people that own buildings, you know, they begrudgingly pay you. Right. And <laughs> then when those renewals happen, you don't get the phone call, right? right? We pay on renewals too, right? Like we we want that relationship to be strong, right? We're not like that one-off warehouse person that, oh my God, I'm going to hold my nose and use this broker, but after that, <laughs> no way, yeah. right? Like we, we, we need that. Like this is a learning moment for me, a relationship building moment to know when I go into new markets, I know right now the number one, the leads I'm getting number one are from brokers, right? Number two you know, from Google, you know, the close second on the referrals is just because I've been here forever and yes. I have a lot of relationships, sure. but brokers are, are instrumental in that. Cause I, I'm not talking to light industrial customers all the time. So I need right. people that are pounding the pavement out there, understand those people. So that would, that would be the other challenge is just educating people on something that's a very fresh and new concept. Right. And as a, as a broker who deals with a lot of tenants, and clients who are starting a new business, I want them to trust me and I also want them to succeed. So I want to put them in a place similar to this if they're not ready for that longer term commitment. So I appreciate that this is an option. And a lot of my clients are excited to, you know, look into Blueco. I would agree. I mean, this is so fresh and even just your your outlook and the way that you are willing to to just handle all the aspects of the transaction, this is far too many of our brokers in the community, and these are colleagues and friends, but they're transactional-based. And those that who really achieve success long-term, they're relationship-based. And that really is your mindset. And that's our mindset at Phoenix is that we don't care whether the client leases 500 feet or 500,000 square feet. We want to put them where they need to be, and we're honored to be their selected broker for the journey. Yeah, and we love repeat business, and we love seeing them grow. And it's really we become family, and that's what y'all are creating as you talk about community. Yeah, and that's an operative word that you have used, and and that you really it's that mindset. I love that, Jason. As we kind of look into the future, maybe what are some trends that you might even predict for? co-working in the next five to 10 years, I'll say co-warehousing, forgive me, as we look into commercial real estate. Yeah, I think I think both sides of it, you know, even with, you know, Raleigh founded, Cary founded, and, you know, founded communities on the office side, I think it's to become more and more specialized. Like we've seen a really growth on the, a, big, a good amount of growth on the office side in terms of digital nomads, right? Companies downscaling and giving their employees uh, greater freedom to work from home. Many people like me, I don't like to work from home. There's a beaded path to my refrigerator all day long, and that's all I do. <laughs> right? I found my COVID. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, I think in the, just the shared space co-working world, I think there's been great opportunities for us to to assist not only the entrepreneur and the growth-oriented companies, but also employees that aren't necessarily going to a fixed office anymore, right? So there's been an opportunity there. I think in terms of the warehousing, and I think that will be cut, will continue to become more specialized. I think that they'll, yeah. like, like we're more of a social entrepreneurial focus type of, of group, right? And then there's others that are more 
like straight up business minded real estate plays. Like, you know, there's Regis and there's others that there's just different flavors for different people. And I think that'll become more and more focused. If you look at a group like Loading Dock, who I'm huge fans of, right? Sure. They have, you know, it's it's a it's a very refined you know, it's it's co-working and it competes with Raleigh Founded, but they also have warehousing that that really fits the consumer product e-commerce companies. It's got a really cool vibe to it and feeling to it. And Great. and there's a healthy competition there, but you know, we feel like, you know, us leaning into the service-based companies, right? Um, you know, that's a differentiator for us. So I think that that and then and I think that some of our bigger national competitors, there's a group called Saltbox that's out there. They're focused on more of that fulfillment side. So I think it's, you know, getting your niche and really, you know, focusing on that. Like we've had, it wasn't necessarily one of the archetypes I called out, but we've had a number of food and beverage people come to us, people that need freezer space. Yes. Right? That's a big deal. So we have a group that's coming in and building a freezer in our warehouse space. I happen to be an investor in something called Hub Kitchens, you know, which is a ghost kitchen operator, Right. Jason has approached me, you know, hey, this would make a lot of sense here. And, you know, I'm I'm being very patient, you know, to make sure that I'm, you know, walking before, you know, I run, you know, and that's, I think that's smart and that's strategic, but we'll see, you know, where where's the market going to head? What are the, but I think to answer your question again, to summarize, I think it's going to be that, that specialty type of space. And I think just like office space, I think, you know, shared warehousing space will become more common. Hopefully, you know, we're one of the first players and you know, hopefully we're growing quickly before everybody catches on. But, you know, and we still got a lot of work to do to test this to make sure that it's, you know, something that we can grow and scale. But, you know, I'm feeling very optimistic about that to start. Well, a lot of times we, in an acronym we use at Phoenix is we're constantly refining our recipe for success. Yeah. And as you all continue to refine your process and refine your design and the amenities, if you will, that y'all provide your clients, you're just going to uh, really get it dialed in to 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 achieve more success. Jason, this has been great. I can't say thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to, to certainly spend some time with us in the studio. And, and we look forward to really following your success and your path. And we're honored to be part of your story. And certainly Liz and I, we've enjoyed touring the facility, but we do look forward to seeing the events. And how can we help you all achieve the success that really you're meant to get. Great. Well, keep spreading the word, right? Stop by at any time. You know, we've, we've got people there. You know, I think that's the, you know, that's the biggest thing, right? To help us spread the word, get the word out here. You know, we're, we're here to, you know, here to fill a gap in the market space. And, you know, hopefully that, you know, either for you or your listeners, you know, we can be, we can provide some value in that area. And give us those email addresses and website addresses one more time for the sure. audience. Sure. So, Info at bluecowarehousing.com, Jason at bluecowarehousing.com, and then bluecowarehousing.com, right? You can find us in any three of those. And social media, I follow you on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, so Instagram, LinkedIn are the main ones. I think we've got a little bit of a Facebook presence, but I think those are the, those are the two main ones. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank I you. hope you have a great week. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Commercial Real Estate Matters. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the latest trends and news in the industry. As always, we welcome your feedback and suggestions. Please consider following us on social media or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date on all the latest news. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.